Are any of you familiar with the children's story, Enemy Pie, written by Derek Munson? Well, you should be, because it's great. <laughs> and I'm going to give you my translation of it now. It's told from the first-person perspective of a young boy. And he says it should have been the perfect summer. Dad helped me to build a treehouse. My sister was away at camp. And then Jeremy Ross moved into the neighborhood. I did not like Jeremy. He laughed at me when I struck out at baseball. He had a party on the trampoline, and I was not invited. I made an enemies list, and his name was the only one on it, and I put it in my treehouse. Dad understood stuff like enemies. He said he had enemies when he was young. And Dad says he knows how to get rid of them, too. I told Dad, and Dad picked up a cookbook and opened it up, and, and there was a little piece of paper, and he opened up the piece of paper, and he said, this is a secret recipe for enemy pie. Now, you may be wondering what was in enemy pie. It's a secret but it's the fastest way to get rid of your enemies. So dad started working on the enemy pie, and the little boy went outside and thought of all the disgusting things he wanted to put in this enemy pie. And then he started bringing them back into his dad in the kitchen. And he brought leaves and rocks. He dug up some worms, and then he, gave, he offered the chewing gum that he had chewed all morning long. And dad said, no, thank you. I've, I've got everything I need. So the little boy goes back out to play, and he hears his father chopping and working away in the kitchen and making something that smells really good. But that doesn't make any sense because it's supposed to be really awful for your enemy. And so he said, Dad, what's going on here? Because, and Dad says, if an enemy pie smelled bad, your enemy would never eat it. Boy, Dad is smart. The pie comes out of the oven, and it looks almost good enough to eat. And the dad says to the little boy, there's one part that I can't do in this secret recipe. I, it needs you in order to make it work. You need to spend a day with your enemy, and worse, even worse, you have to be nice to him. It's not easy, but it's the only way enemy pie can work. And the boy says it sounded horrible and scary. But one day with Jeremy Ross, and he'd be out of my hair for the rest of my life. And so the little boy walks down the street, knocks on the door, and Jeremy opens it, and he seems surprised. And the boys both get a little nervous. And the boy says, can you play? And Jeremy says, I'll ask my mom. And of course, you probably know how the rest of this story continues. They rode bikes, they played on the trampoline and had lunch, and then they went back to the little boy's house. And turns out they both liked basketball, and he let Jeremy win a game, but just to be nice. And he showed him the treehouse, but first he took down the enemy list, just to be nice. And by the end of the day, 
the two boys and the dad are having pie. And, and the, the narrator says, tries to tell the dad, but it's okay, we have friends. You don't need to eat the pie. And, and, he, and Jeremy looks at him like, you are crazy, this pie is delicious. And your dad has already eaten half of his. <laughs> and it dawns on the boy that maybe he can eat the secret enemy pie and maybe it worked. It ends with him saying, Jeremy Ross is now the number one friend on his friend list. What I love about children's literature, what I love about stories like this, is how playfully and creatively they can share a truthful, positive message. If we only had that recipe for enemy pie, I wonder what this world would look like. If we could only trick our adult selves into believing in enemy pie, if that were the case, well, I wonder if worship would actually be in a kitchen around an oven. You are right? We're okay? All right. We have good people taking care of her. So let's talk about some more enemies while, while we wait on our friend to feel better. If worship and if Christians were about enemy pie, if that really worked for us, might we, we be worshiping in a kitchen around an oven? Might we have an associate minister for baked goods? And believe me, I would sign up for this. And maybe we have pie and milk at our communion table. That's just a hint. I'm throwing it out to the worship committee. <laughs> Alas, today's scripture is a kind of recipe from the Gospel of Matthew for an adult version of enemy pie. It's unusual for many reasons, and partly the scripture is unusual because it's so descriptive. This is not a parable that needs to be deciphered and leaves us wondering what to do Oh, Jesus, if only you had been more specific. Rather, the description is quite specific. One way of reinterpreting the scripture might be like this. Everyone sins. We are all perfectly imperfect because we are all human. Communities, churches are made up of these perfectly imperfect people. And when sin happens, and it will, when people are mean or accidentally mess up and feelings are hurt, do something about it. Namely, go talk to the other person directly, like a mature adult, rather than talking behind their back. And if that doesn't work, involve some others of the community. This is not an opportunity to gang up on someone, but rather to engage the community in conversation because an issue between siblings affects the entire family. And if that doesn't work, says Matthew, then there's really an issue facing the entire community. At the very best, you'll talk about it as a group and you'll resolve the conflict. At worst, perhaps you'll take a break from one another, but love and respect the lost sheep, the tax collector, until he or she repents and rejoins the fold. And like any recipe, after you've made it a few times, you start to figure out how to make it your own. Sometimes step number two, talk with others, is helpful before one confronts another person. 
because sometimes we all need a wise friend who can help us figure out what it is that's really upsetting us. And sometimes that good friend can tell us in love that this is something we simply need to let go. Or this is about you, not the other person. Other times when there's an injustice by a person with great power, or the affected people are not able to stand up for themselves, this recipe may not be the best one to follow. It will need some real tweaking to ensure honesty and accountability. Countless churches and family conflicts have been resolved before most of us even hear of them because the two people talked it out before it became a larger issue. And this in itself is quite a blessing. And sadly, we can probably all name conflicts that continue to divide relationships years later. After all, we humans are really good at avoiding conflicts and not forgiving. It's very human of us. Because it's not easy to have a conversation with someone when we're angry or hurting. It's a risk to be vulnerable with someone and let them know that we have been hurt. And it's more difficult still to confront a behavior without blaming and shaming the other person in the process. Engaging in honest dialogue is a skill, and it's worth pursuing. And yes, it's simple, but not very easy. Most of us need more training than one reading of enemy pie to be as wise as the father in sorting out conflicts. And I think the Gospel of Matthew is trying to raise an important issue in the Christian community. How we handle conflict matters. The story that precedes this one in the Gospel is the parable of the lost sheep, when the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep in search of the one. And the next story after this, Jesus tells Peter that if his brother sins against him, when his brother sins against him, again, he must forgive not once, not seven times, but 77. Matthew is trying to tell us something about living in community that is grounded in a relationship with a God whose love is extravagant. Jesus points to an understanding of God who searches for us, forgives us, and brings us back into relationship again and again and again, and asks us to do the same. Because how we handle conflict and how we cope with brokenness or sin matters. Our behavior signals something about who we are as a Christian community. Following in Christ's footsteps makes a difference because we are choosing the difficult path because we know or we hope that being loved deeply and loving others deeply makes for a more fulfilling relationships in life. And in this church, we also know that in order to have the really difficult conversations in our world, in order to tackle justice matters on race, sexual orientation, global warming, and ending oppression, it takes years and years of dishing up and eating enemy pie. And in order to be able to facilitate the hard conversations, we have to start with the little ones to build trust and perfect our baking skills. And there is more to gain than a positive image or witness to the rest of the world. People within a community can tell that they matter if when they don't show up for a while, someone gives them a call. Or just as when someone apologizes or asks for forgiveness and means it, even for something small, how does that feel to receive 
How does it change our perception of ourselves and the others in this community when we take the time and swallow our fears to have a conversation about how we can be better friends, better committee members, better colleagues, better disciples together? Now, these conversations require us to invest in one another right when we are most tempted to hide in our treehouses and start making lists of our worst enemies. Many of us are parts of all sorts of communities, predominantly what I'd call an affinity group, such as the parents on your children's sports team, a political party, the lunch crew at your favorite restaurant. And yet, how easily we can walk away, unfriend, unsubscribe, pick a new restaurant, pick a new sport, and start anew. But this passage suggests there's more to gain when we go the distance together. And every time we dare to make an enemy pie, we equip ourselves and others to live more fully and to love more deeply. As we practice giving and receiving constructive feedback, we become a Christian community where we are able to hold one another accountable with grace and the ability to bend rather than breaking and cutting ties. What a gift to give one another. This is a version of what you of what one might call heaven on earth, or true relationship. I want to leave you with one final note of good news from today's scripture. Jesus promises at the end to be with us as two or more of us gather. To gather is not the same thing as to agree. When we do the holy work of building community based in God's inclusive love, God promises to be right there in the midst of our struggles because our Holy Father knows how to bake pies. Thanks be to God. Amen.